Welcome back to Principles with Corey and Logan. Y'all, I am super excited about uh, our conversation that you get to listen in to today. I know it's going to add a ton of value to you today because we've got a leader who develops leaders. Our guest today, his name is Alex, and he he went from leading the Texas A&M football team as a captain to founding and scaling multiple, all right, not just one, but multiple multi-million dollar businesses at an early age, in his early 20s, and he, he's proven he knows what it takes for teams to succeed. And what I love about what Alex is doing, he's not just being a reservoir of that information and those experiences, he's being a river. And so he's going out and teaching this, and what he likes to do is he combines Bible with business, management with a mission, profits with a purpose, and culture with Christ. And Alex is helping others do business better by starting with culture transformation. That is all up my alley that I just love talking about. Alex, welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. Thank you so much, Corey. I appreciate the uh, introduction. Uh, that's hard to follow, so let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, Alex, I, I know uh, what you do now is you help transform culture within organizations, but take us back. How did you get to where you are now? Like, Take us on the journey. Absolutely. Yes, sir. I will. So I'm from a small town in East Texas by the name of Orange, Texas, kind of like the fruit. Uh, Grew up there, went to high school in Orange, Texas. Uh, While in Orange, Texas, excelled as a student, uh, graduated, you know, second in my class. And anything that I say that you want to dive into, we can absolutely do that. So some of this stuff will sound a little crazy. I received a scholarship to play football at Texas A&M at a position I'd never played before. And they had never seen me actually play a game of football. So we can talk about that. I went to Texas A&M uh, eventually to start on the field as a true freshman at a position I'd never played before, became a team captain, won a bunch of stuff that's collecting dust now. But I graduated from the engineering department at Texas A&M with magna cum laude honors and went on from there to work for a consulting firm by the name of Opportune in Houston, Texas. Um while there, I traveled all over the Northeast uh, doing power plant conversions for po- a private equity group. And we come in and transition all of the technology over to new ownership. While in Rhode Island, I received a call from a guy who I met in his backyard while fishing in his backyard. And this guy, it started with a simple thank you. And we became friends to eventually he gave me a call and we became partners. He asked if I still wanted to start a business one day. I said, absolutely. This guy's you know 30 plus years my senior I moved back to Bryan College Station, Texas, uh, became a property manager at his company. Some of my family probably thought I was nuts, but I knew <laughs> what we were building to go from, you know, the corporate fancy job, suit and tie to come back. And, you know, I had over 2000 tenants and residents and totally different lifestyle, tenants and toilets, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And eventually became the president of his company, started my own company, and we bought about 340 units together in the last few years. And how do we get to culture? So while a captain on the team at AM, while leading in high school, while building businesses, I learned that cash flow was predictable. People were not. <laughs> so it's like, how do we build a team around the product? How do we build a team around the business? How do we build a culture? And that was what I was tasked with as a young president and eventually had an epiphany uh, for me, being a faith-based man, everything in my life has been built upon the Bible, built upon that foundation of Christ. 
And as I was trying to figure out how to navigate building a culture, building a team, just kind of this light bulb, why don't I refer to the Bible as a resource since it's a source in everything else in my life? And I just found some amazing things, figured out that culture wasn't just a good thing, but a God thing, figured out that culture was the um, assignment for us to steward the things that were placed in charge of. So we built a business, we built a culture, we built people and looked up a few years later and had 340 units under my belt. It was a normal Saturday. Things were going well. We just purchased an RV park and I felt the spirit and it was clear telling me that it was time to move on. I had no plans of leaving and I did what I normally do in moments like that. I called my dad and I said, I'm a, I'm a PK, by the way, a PK of a PK. I called my dad and I said, Hey, I feel like God's shifting me and, and he shifted me here, but I feel like he's shifting me away from this. And I'm not exactly sure what's happening. And my dad told me something that was just perfect um, clarification. That was perfect confirmation. He told me, he said, oh yes, son, I already knew that. I said, what do you mean you you knew that? When were you going to tell me? He said, I had a dream you were packing up your office. Okay, great information. When were you going to share this with me? And he told me, son, it's not my job to tell you. It's my job to confirm it. And I knew that I knew that I knew that it was time for me to to launch out and do something different. Came home and have a big whiteboard in my office and had about 30 different things I've been working on in the way of biblical entrepreneurship. And I was praying over that and looking up at that board. I had a bunch of different meetings with guys in you know the private equity space about this transition and what it would look like if I would take a job or if I'd start another business. And I looked up at the board and... It wasn't an audible voice, but I could just feel the unction. The first seven things on your board is how culture is created. I looked up at the board and it was vision, mission, purpose, core values, branding, team building, and authenticity was what I had written the first seven uh, modules on the board. And I ran with it. So that became a course that became training that became a consulting company. And now we are here today, today, helping other leaders create workplace cultures that we crave for. So that's kind of how it all, how it started and how it's going. (laughs) And that is so good. Something you said, your dad said, I thought was just super powerful. My job isn't to tell you what to do, but to confirm it. And that that is powerful. And just how important it is to have um, kind of people like that in your life. Of course, that's your dad. Uh, But having men and women in our lives who, who want our success that we can count on had a mentor used to say, before you ask people what they think, make sure they actually think. And yeah. It sounds like your dad is a super wise man, super wise man. So absolutely. I, I want to kind of go back to the football thing that you had mentioned. And because um, I, I feel like there's something there. You, you talked about Texas A&M. That, that's, that's not like Juco. Like I'm, no. all, I'm all in on Juco. That's all good. Right? <laughs> but that is a power five school. Mm-hmm. Uh, wanted you to come in and play a, play a position you'd never played before, but you said they had never seen you. What do you think caught their attention? Because it's not out of the blue that a power five gives you a full ride scholarship No, that they've never seen you. So mm-hmm. what, what do you think it was that triggered it for them? Yeah. So I'll, I'll take you back to the day it all started uh, or, or the day that it, it kind of peaked, so to uh, speak. Um, my high school coach, and I just recently learned some more of this story. I had a speaking engagement at my, at my high school. So my high school head football coach at the time, 
A&M had what they call uh, a traveling football camp. It was the last year they could have these satellite camps. And they were scheduled to have this camp at a school in Louisiana, a high school. We're right on the border of Louisiana and Texas. Apparently, weeks before, days before that football camp, that school canceled on Texas A&M University. So the head football coach, Kevin Sumlin, was scrambling to find a location that he could host a football camp that was close in proximity to the border of Texas and Louisiana to bring kids from both states. So he finds this little school. Uh, just to give you some reference, we were not a, a, a power high school when it came to football. We hadn't been to the playoffs in decades. Uh, there was no reason for them to come to my school except for the proximity to the border of Texas and Louisiana. So my coach gets a call one day from Kevin Sumlin, and he says, hey, this is Kevin Sumlin. I'm the head football coach. Like, we don't know who he is. This is I'm the head football coach at Texas A&M University. We're looking for a place to have a football camp. Can we use your school? Well, who says no to that? Yeah. And they traveled to our school. I didn't really know much about Texas A&M, to be honest. And we were getting dressed for church. I had injuries all throughout my high school football career. So now it's kind of looking like I'm going to run track in college instead of football. I have zero offers, which is not a good news, good news for a senior uh, heading into his senior year. Unknown, no rivals.com, no scout.com, no profile. And my dad said, Hey, I think you should give football one more shot. Go to the camp. And I'm like, okay, I'll go. I show up to the camp. I'm a little guy, five nine, 160 something pounds. And they asked me what position I play. I told them running back. And they just kind of <laughs> smirked and made facial expressions. You know, running back in the SEC, normally they're not five nine, 160 pounds. Well, we begin the test and we tested this thing called the 40 yard dash. And I was a guy who could run. Uh, since we had no plans on having the camp, the grass was literally about eight inches to a foot high. I ran the first 40 yard dash. And the coach that was timing me, I could tell there was a lot of whispering going on, like, what in the world? Where'd this guy come from? Coach Sumlin walks over, looks at the time, and he goes, no way. Just to give you perspective, no one else timed within like 0.3 seconds, which is a, a long time in a 40-yard dash of my time that day on that grass. So Coach Sumlin walks up to me and says, hey, son, can you, uh, can you do that again? Absolutely. They shut the camp down. Every coach on the staff is timing me. I run through the line again. They're just like, whoa. <laughs> Long story short, they um, thankfully this camp was held in my community. They went up to my superintendent. They went up to my high school principal and said, tell us about Alex Caesar. They said, well, he's ranked second in his class. He's respectful. He treats people well. He's a man of faith. You're never going to have to worry about him off the field. Um, and they offered me a full scholarship, had never seen me play the position they'd offered me at. I graduated high school early, early enrolled, worked my butt off, and first game of the season, I was on the field as a true freshman. Wow. Yeah. Dude, that is awesome, man. That's incredible. I'm just curious, what did you run that day? On so that uh, I had like 10 clocks on me. It ranged on that back grass, you know, four threes, low That's four fours. Uh, that summer, I went mid four twos on better, better um, field conditions and on the track. So – um, I was, I was rolling. It was, wow, it was a good time. Come yeah. on. That is awesome. And, um, so a pastor friend of mine, he always, 
I was talking to him the other day. He said something I found really interesting. He said, you know, I used to say favor ain't fair. That's what he said. (laughs) But he said, I've changed it. Favor follows faithfulness. And that Mm. the moment you said something about, you know, the the site was shut down. They had to move it, man. I was like, man, that man's got favor on his life. The favor is on his life, Alex, man. That's awesome. Love that, man. That's good, man. Yeah, that my whole story is God favored me. Yeah, come on. I mean, I worked hard, but. There's things that have happened in my life that, you know, kind of how like like the scripture says, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, like there are things that I can't take credit for. Even what I'm doing right now, I just simply say that the spirit spoke to me to speak through me. Yeah. When we get into this stuff that I'm teaching now, I, I'm i not that smart. Like there is no way it is just clearly God's favor on my life and his hand of uh, his hand of favor and grace on me. Yeah, man, I love that. And uh Ooh, I could go deep in there. I, I, I'm trying to figure out that we talk about the leadership stuff. because I, I love that, you know, but uh, it, it's interesting. Um, man, just God is so good as, as you're obedient, as you faithful, stuff like that. You talk about there's no way I came up with this. I know exactly what you're talking about. I got a course that I'm going to be doing here with the team here in just a few minutes. And the results of that is just like, there's no way I came up with that. And yeah. just kind of looking back over the history of, my wife and I, our marriage and our lives is like the hand of the Lord there. So man, I, I'm excited for what you're doing and the impact you're making. So um, there, there was something else you said there that caught my attention. You were talking about, you know, when you're at Texas A&M, I know we're hovering on that just a bit, but you won all these trophies and you said, now they're collecting dust. <clears throat> yeah. And, and, and the, and the thought that kind of came to me is some people put all their hopes and desires in, mm. in a title or a position, or once I get this, or once I get oh, that, man. and you're um, going to make me start preaching. <laughs> well, let it go. I'm trying to tee you up, man. I'm just trying to tee you up. And I was just thinking the way you said that there's gotta be a higher purpose for that because all that it's, it's cool, right? It's cool to slap hands and like, yeah. man, I did that. That's great. That's cool. Um, but if that's the end of it, it's kind of empty. So yeah, I just tee you up. You go with that wherever you want to go then. <laughs> wow. So um, I was just speaking in my hometown and my wife is very particular about our house decor. So there is no A&M anything anywhere. Um, she's very minimalistic and brown and beiges. As you can see, I didn't even get to decorate my own office. Um But yeah, they're collecting dust. A lot of them are, I don't have all of my jerseys are at my mom's house Uh, They're in a closet somewhere, but I was able to go through that closet a little bit uh, this past weekend. And in, in ninth, maybe in ninth grade, some, at some point in high school, I think I was a little bit older. uh, Our classmates are the teacher would send a student outside of the room. And while you were outside each uh, the class would get this paper plate and they had to make an award out of it that best represented the person that was in the hallway. So this is kind of when you get to see what your classmates think about you. Mm. I've won a lot of stuff from a very early age until now. I've done a a lot of things that the world would say, wow, that's great. Um, It was very interesting what they wrote in that paper plate for me. Other people had nice decorations. They painted the whole plate for them. I walked back into the room and on this paper plate, it said just another award. Mm. And... (laughs) I've thought about that since then. They were doing it to be kind of funny, like he's won enough. But that's literally how I live my life. All of the trophies, that's how I look at it. It's just another award. 
all of that stuff is great. The things that it represents, some of the, the, the titles and the descriptions attached to those awards means a lot to me. Um, but man, I, I'm striving for something different than, than trophies. I'm striving for something different than commas and zeros. And for me, kind of like Simon Sinek says, you have what you do, how you do it, and then why you do it. And I'm just really tapped into why I do what I do. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of the temptation that Jesus faced in the desert. In the first temptation, you know, he leaves the Jordan River. He's Jordan River. He's dripping wet from baptism. The father parts this guy and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Mm -hmm. Immediately he goes into the desert and the devil says, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. What's that temptation? Obviously there's hunger, there's fleshly hunger, but he's saying is, if you are, then you do. It's the temptation that I am what I do. And that's just something I've never um, in my you know older age, since I gave my life to Christ, I don't attach my identity to what I do. Mm. So that therefore God can shift me at any moment because I'm not attached to Alex is a president. Alex, Alex is a, a real estate professional. Alex is a football player. No, I play football. Yeah. I'm not a football player. I play football. I don't attach my core, my identity to whatever I'm doing at the moment. So it's easier for God to shift me and go, I need you here. The mm -hmm. second temptation, he talks about, you know, if you are, then you do. And then he says, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. That's a temptation that I am what I have. I don't attach my identity to all of the awards and the accolades and the money. And it's there and I'm, I'm grateful for it, but that can't be who I am. That can't be my core because he, here's the deal. God gives and God takes away. So if you allow what you do, what you have to become who you are, when what you did is no longer what you do, the enemy can kind of rob you and put you in identity crisis because it's like, wow, who am I without football? Who am I without real estate? Who am I without the money? God can take all of that stuff away. I know who I am. I'm first and foremost, a man who's been purchased with a price I couldn't pay. So I, I can go, I can go more on purpose. I actually teach about purpose. Like in, in the course I was telling you about culture catalyst, that's a, a, a pillar of how culture is created, tapping into organizational purpose. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Consider him unless you grow weary and lose heart. What does that mean? If you are to be a person, if you are to be an organization of perseverance, you have to tie purpose to it. He had a reason for going to the cross. It says that he's the author, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. If you want to live a life of perseverance, if you want to live a life worthy of the calling, attach purpose to it. All of the other stuff will fade away. I told you you were going to make me preach. Let me stop. Yeah, come on, <laughs> man. Let's go. I love it. That's great. I, I want to get into some of your uh, culture transformation uh, here in just a second. But as you were talking there, it reminded me of something. So my background is in the medical field. Um, and uh, we opened up some, uh, we had our own businesses, physical therapy and those kind of things. And I can remember early on, I I'll tell you one of my underlying purposes was uh, I wanted to be the best. I want to be recognized as the best, right? I, want, I wanted the recognition, mm -hmm. right? I wanted the trophy. And it was interesting. I, I realized the Lord kind of opened my eyes to like, you pursuing the wrong thing, right? You, you pursuing what, what 
everything that you just talked about. I am what I have. I am what I do. Those kind of things. And uh, my my eyes shifted to just focusing on adding so much value to people, right? Caring about people, seeing people not not as obstacles or opportunities or, or objects, those kind of things, but people to be served and to add value to. You know, what's interesting is whatever I, I stopped focusing on some of that stuff and focused on the heart of mm-hmm. the father towards the people I was serving, <laughs> the trophies came. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like that's, yeah, that's I mean, that's what he told that. Solomon because yeah. you, he asked me, you know, what do you want? Wisdom. Because you did not ask, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you this because I know that I can trust you with it. I know it's not going to take your heart from me. Um, So everything in my life, the things that I have, it's just, it's a, it's a derivative of being faithful to the calling. Yeah. God, you can trust me with it. And at any moment I prove unfaithful and this begins to take my attention. This begins to rob me of who I am. Take it. Yeah, man, that's powerful. Well, so uh, Alex, I, I do want to jump into some of the, you, you work with teams, you work with organizations, you come in and, and build some culture and you've, you've listed off a few of those kind of uh, high points. Uh, I would love to hear what are some of those high points, but let's dive into one or two of them. But uh, yeah, absolutely. So you come in and what, what are some of the key points of that culture? You listed that on your board there. Yeah. So we, we break down from the start. I'm, I'm very big on definitions um, because when we don't have a, a, collective understanding of what a term means sometimes we're pulling in different directions Mm -hmm. so the first thing when it comes to creating culture is i establish what is culture why does it matter and then how it's created so i break down from a biblical perspective what is culture so going all the way back to the garden we see god giving adam an assignment cultivate care for so culture is how we care for things the way that I do that is I break down, I break it down to three words. Culture is a set of beliefs that influences behaviors that produces results. You know, there's a lot of different definitions of what culture is, a shared values and attitudes or how a workplace is experienced. But if we can work with those three things, beliefs, behaviors, results, and then ultimately culture will equal the, the results that you experience. Culture is a God-given assignment to, to steward, to care for the things that we're placed in charge of. So that's where I start first. What is it? Next thing is, why does it matter? Well, here's why it matters. Lifeway Research said that in 2019, 4,500 churches closed. Other studies have shown that 47 million Americans quit their jobs in 2021. Voluntarily, not fired, they quit. All of these things, all of these symptoms are a derivative of the problem, a culture problem. So that's why it matters. And I break down like why it matters. And then lastly, how do we create it? And that's when we get into the height, the how to, and I go through the different modules, the vision, division, mission, core values, branding, team building, uh, building a culture authentically. Um, so let's jump into, for example, the first one vision. I first start with like all of the other things. Let's define it. What does that mean? It's an inspirational statement describing what an organization aspires to achieve in the future. Inspiration, it inspires us. It's descriptive, meaning it's clear in its intent. It's futuristic, meaning that it's not going to happen today. It's something we're working towards tomorrow. That's what it is. Next thing I go into, how do you write a proper inspiring vision statement? How do we avoid the jargon and the cliche to actually make this mean something? Boom. 
this is kind of where I started to have those epiphanies that God just gave me this stuff. Habakkuk chapter two says, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets so that whoever reads it can run with it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It shall speak at the end. If it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. From there, I have the five P's of vision on how we're going to write an organizational vision statement. Number one, it has to be personal. The first P is personal. He says, Habakkuk says, the Lord answered me. It was a personal vision to what the nation of Judah was experiencing during that time. They were struggling with the idea to reconcile how can God be so good when bad things happen? So that's the first thing. Vision must be personal to your organization. It should not be so generic that anyone can take it and plug and play and say, that makes sense for me too. Number one, needs to be personal. Number two, it needs to be permanent. A lot of times founders have this vision trapped inside of their head that never makes it outside of their of their, you know, their four wall, four walls, so to speak. So it needs to be permanent, which means that it needs to be written. It needs to be consistent. It needs to be shareable. He says to write it on tablets of stone. Writing on tablets of stone, it's not like writing with a pencil and you erase it. That signifies faith. I have faith in the fruition of this idea. It's going to come to pass. Number three, it needs to be practical. He says to write it and make it plain. It should not be so complex. We need to strive for clarity. A vision statement is not for me to sound smart. It's for you to make progress. So it needs to be practical. Can, can I do something with this? Number four, it needs to be purposeful. Whoever reads it can run with it. A vision statement is a call to action that prompts towards progress. And lastly, it needs to be patient. He says, though it tarries, if it lingers, wait for it because it will surely come. That's the danger of being a visionary. Visionaries see what shall be, but we wake up to deal with what is. I believe T.D. Jake said that first. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do I blend my vision with both perseverance for today and patience for what's going to happen tomorrow? So very simple things but profound at the same time, God just kept giving me these principles, these analogies, the scripture, the backing, and then obviously the experience to go, boom, here's how that applies. How do we go from Sunday morning inspiration as leaders to Monday morning implementation? We have such a powerful source of truth, such a powerful tool. It's like, we can't let this stop on Sunday morning. We have to do something with it so that others may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So that's just a small taste of kind of some of the stuff that I'm teaching, but it's a comprehensive um, model of core values, mission. Like I'm inspiring you for tomorrow. I'm showing you how to operate today. I'm showing you how to build and scale and find the right teammates and the right people. And we can get into some of that too, if you want to. Yeah, yeah. I, I do have one other question, but hey, somebody's listening and they're like, hey, I, I want to reach out to Alex, find out more about that. Real quick, how how could they find out more about that or even reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm on most uh, media platforms. I took kind of a, a three-year <laughs> social media break, but I'm back active. So Alex, A-L-E-X, Caesar is spelled S-E-Z-E-R. Um, you can find me on most platforms, Instagram. I don't have a Twitter. You can find me on uh, LinkedIn, which is probably my my favorite 
uh, platform and YouTube and things like that. And then also Alex, A-L-E-X, Caesar, S-E-Z-E-R.com, AlexCaesar.com. And that'll take you to the Culture Catalyst program and all of the other things that I'm working on. So uh, speaking engagements and things like that. So you can find me there. Awesome. So alexcaesar.com. Yes, That's sir. good stuff. <clears throat> you, one of the things you mentioned, your last, uh, I think it was the last module right there, you talked about authenticity. Yeah, absolutely. How important do you feel like that is for a leader or in, even in a culture, authenticity? I, I just want to tee you up just, uh, just yeah. on some authentic stuff. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So the uh, I battle against some of my, uh, some of the things I teach are trending, so to speak, uh, culture. And, you know, when we have culture problems, everyone's trying to figure out a way to fix it. Um, so I kind of have to battle against some of the narrative of, you know, the trending information that may or may not be correct. Uh, same thing with being authentic. Everyone is now <laughs> authentic with all of our filters and, and everything else. But here's what I, what I mean by building a culture authentically. The temptation when something in our lives happen that's either hard or unknown to us is to copy. Mm. The danger in that is to, if we copy another organization's conclusion without their journey, without their background, without their reasons, we get what I, what I call copycat counterfeit culture to where you look like the, the real thing, but you intrinsically have no value. So it's like people are like, okay, Google, Google is cool. Like, you know, we have this work from home stuff and the sleeping pots. Okay. To have a culture like Google, we need to buy a foosball table, a sleeping pot and work from home one day a week. But you have no clue about the background of why they put a sleeping pot in the office <laughs> or you have no clue about why they need the foosball table. So we copy their conclusion without their journey. Mm-hmm. That is dangerous. Um, the other thing I'll say about this is going biblically. I, I admire, I, I love the story of David and Goliath. And most people want to talk about, you know, David killed Goliath and that huge uh, accomplishment. But I like what happened before that story happens. And here's what happens. David is a young shepherd boy and you have King Saul, who is, you know, his senior his authority figure. And he begs essentially to fight Goliath. Please let me at him. Let me in the ring. And they're just like, no, no, David, no. After much pleading, he says, okay, David, we're going to let you fight, but not without stipulations. If you're going to get in the ring with Goliath, you need to look like a real warrior. You need to have this shield. You need to have the breastplate. You need to have the helmet. You need to look like me. If you're going to do this in in moments of confrontation, in moments of um, unknowns, we want to conform to what society says we should be. Here's what David did. It tells us that he put on Saul's armor and he tried walking around in it. But the scripture says because he was not used to it, he took it off. So many of us need to do the same exact thing with all of the expectations, with all of the um cultural norms with all of the standards placed on our organizations, on our businesses. If you're going to do business, it has to be this way. No, we're going to do it God's way. We're going to build a culture authentically to who God called us to be. 
Although David was a kid being pressured by a king, he did conform. So that's what I mean by authenticity. What is God? What has God called you for in this moment in time? How has he called you to do it? Do it that way. Don't cave into what society says or how things, how they think uh, that things should be done. I faced that same exact temptation when creating this curriculum. Mm-hmm. Man, if I, if I say a scripture, certain organizations aren't going to let me in. If I say this, like you have to filter it this way. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to give it to them how God gave it to me. And I don't have to be in your face, but at the same time, when people look at this, they're not going to go. Alex is amazing. Alex is so great. They're going to go, wow, God really spoke through him. Mm-hmm. So that I did it this way. So, so that there was no confusion about where the information came from. A lot of your favorite coaches are plagiarizing the Bible. Like, let's just call it what it is. They're taking the information, taking the scripture out, taking God's authority away from it and going, here's a good principle. Here's a good idea. You know, and you go back and you're like, that's Luke chapter six. Like we see it. We know exactly what you're talking about. Treat other people how you want to be treated. Like that's biblical. Love your neighbor as yourself. So that's that's just how I am. It's like, let's just give the respect where it's where it's uh, earned and where it's needed. And if God gave me all of this stuff, why wash it and take his name away from it just so it can be accepted? Those who accept me, great. Those who don't, brush your shoulders off, knock the dust off your feet, keep moving. Yeah, <clears throat> I was that. <clears throat> I was actually going to ask you about some of that, and I'll ask you that here in a second. But I love what you said. Uh, a lot of times companies will look at the outcome but not consider the journey. And I was just thinking, man, how how true that is in our personal lives as well. We'll see somebody else's fruit or their outcome, yeah, but not even consider their journey. We try to cop- copycat them or, you yeah. know. The grass uh, may be green on the other side, but the water bill is also higher. So That's right. Yeah, come on <laughs> with that, right? I like that. That's That may get stolen, by the way. I'm, <laughs> I'm playing. That's good. I like that. And, and I was going to ask you about that because you're, you're, um, you're, you're straight up. Hey, these are biblical principles. Have you ever had a company say, hey, I don't come in and talk about the stuff, but don't, don't leave the Bible out. Yeah. So I do a lot of work um, and I'll, I'll do even more work now in the school systems uh, and, you know, private versus public is a completely different story when speaking to students. Um, there is a way to show Jesus without saying, turn your Bible to you know Genesis chapter two. And I completely get that. I completely understand that. I completely respect the stages that God has placed me on. Here's what's interesting. I, I just spoke at a, a high school, five, uh, five different, you know, speaking engagements at one school. And on the big stage, I kept it more motivational. Um, no, open your Bible to this chapter. But when you, when you, when you hear my story, there's no way to go. He did all of that himself. Yeah. When you hear my story, there's no way to give me all the credit. So God has to be involved in it. Afterwards, we broke out into um, some breakout sessions and the superintendent, the the high school AD said, hey, I want you to talk about your faith. Now, now it's go time because when they I I I let them open that door Mm -hmm. and I let kind of God have his place and let him work. If you want me to come in and you're in a position to where you can't legally 
say, hey, open the Bible and turn to this scripture. Cool. A lot of times I'll use in my favorite book, it says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I heard it once said before. <laughs> um, so things like that. And it's like, hey, if I can quote Dr. Seuss, why can't I quote Jesus? Yeah. Um, so if you want to view it as I do, which is an authoritative, uh, perfect source of truth, I commend that. If you want me to reference it and and not um, explicitly state that, you need to know where I stand, which is that's what I believe. And when you get me, you get him. Uh, can I can I operate in, the, in those venues? Absolutely. Can I be a gentleman in those venues? Absolutely. Can I show up and you not go, man, I think I want to know something more about him or this Jesus he's portraying and talking about. I don't even have to say it, but you're going to see it. Uh, I think there's a quote that says, uh, by all means, preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. Mm -hmm. There's no way to look at my life and not see Jesus. I, I think it was this, uh, some of his disciples, whenever they were questioned by leaders during that time and about their healings, about how they were healing people. It says whenever they looked at them and, and the way that they spoke and they knew that they were uneducated men. They had they could come to no other conclusion except that they had been with Jesus. Yeah. So the time that I spend with him, the, the the moments in the morning, the moments throughout the day in prayer, you can't come in contact with me and not come to the conclusion that he's been with Jesus. Yeah. So that's kind of the 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 balance I have to play in, in public and private businesses. Hey, I can preach it without having to say it. Yeah. So that's the, 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 the beautiful balance that I have to use. And what I found is that even in um, spaces that are agnostic, atheist or whatever it may be, there's always, there's never a dismissal. It's always a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, to God be the glory for that, to be able to, you know, preach the gospel and not have to uh, be in your face necessarily, but they get it. Yeah, I love that, man. That, that, and, and you know, you carry the light, right? You you carry that with you. And I love what you said. And that's kind of the way I try to carry myself as well, is that there's no way that you can come in contact and not know that there's something, there's something different about that dude right mm -hmm. there, you know, or, or a lady. There's something different because you carry the light. And we can go around not not offending folks, right? You, yeah. you can be up on the stage and not offend folks. It, mm -hmm. It's um, I love that. Hey, yeah. I, I want to shift gears just real quick. I got one last question for you. All right. And uh, th this is more, I'm not going to hold you to this. All right, Alex. Okay. So th this is more prediction. Gotcha. I, I just find, uh, I find that you are in a unique uh, kind of, uh, I guess, unique area with what you do, your kind of background with, with the real estate and what you're doing right now, working with organizations. And you're talking about culture. So Kind of with that that thought of being in real estate, working with leaders all over the place. Where do you kind of see culture and the economy going? Where like where, where do you where do you see the direction going? And so uh, yeah, what do you see? Yeah, absolutely. So um, for me, I'm more of a a localized guy when it comes to economies. So people always say, you know, what do you think about the economy? Um, and the economy is a, a huge overarching uh, statement for a lot of small economies, uh, whether it's, you know, nationwide or uh, worldwide or state specific. 
in the real estate world specifically, I think you will see localized disruption. Um, and I think you'll see um, industry disruption. So for example, during COVID, I had a storage facility that performed at record numbers. There were also apartments in New York City that were really, really struggling. So it's hard to say real estate is going to be this. I'm more, I get into kind of the niches of, okay, commercial is going to perform like this based on this environment. Single family is going to perform like this based on this environment. Tech is going to perform like this based on this environment. I think we're already starting to see that um, lenders are a lot more cautious now. I think that just the news of a recession makes everyone start to plan and organize. So whether we have a recession or not, I believe that the economy will feel like it based on the news of a recession. Everyone starts to prepare and it's kind of like, you know, if you're in football, when you, you know, you get, you brace, you brace for impact, you get ready for that hit. So I think you're going to see a lot of people brace for impact. How big that impact is, is yet to be seen. I don't have a crystal ball. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of other guys, a lot smarter than me, you know, listening to the Warren Buffett's of the world. Who's, you know, been around 70 plus years longer than I have on this earth. So, um, or 60 plus years. So, yeah, I think you'll see localized crashes. I think you'll see local economies that do very well. Here's the thing. Uh, and I call it the, the grapes are the giants. So we see uh, Joshua and Caleb uh, are sent into to spy, essentially, with other spies on the promised land, a land that God has promised his chosen people. And they come, everyone comes back and like, man, they're the people there are big. Um, you know, we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes, things like that. And all that they could focus on were the giants. But Joshua and Caleb said, hey, here are the fruit. Here are the grapes from that land. And surely it flows with milk and honey. So for me, it, it's it's two perspectives. You can choose to focus on the giants because they're, they will always be there. Or you can choose to focus on the grapes. So it's kind of like that opportunity versus opposition. I see a world of opportunity ahead. Absolutely. So uh, will there be, will there be storms? Will there be winters? Will there be recessions? You know, all of this, you know, hype, you know, there's a storm coming. I see all those ads on, on YouTube. Maybe, but maybe you focus on, there's a nice wave I get to ride Yeah. in that storm. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I, I, That's my prediction. I'm going to do well. That's my prediction. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to do well, right? Yeah. My family, we're going to do good. I like that. Yeah. That's great. Alex, man, you have added a ton, a ton of value. I love your spirit. I feel like you, well, I know you're a brother for sure. You you are, uh, man, I love what you're doing in the world. You're truly making an impact in organizations. Um I heard John Maxwell say greatness is how well I inspire others to do well for themselves mm. and others. There's a generational tone to that. Absolutely. And man, the way you carry yourself, you're going into organizations. I believe you're stirring hearts and minds to say, you know what? I know I see this going on in the world, but I don't have to be like that because mm -hmm. there's something different about that dude right there that is sparking something inside of me. So absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's where the catalyst part comes from culture catalyst. Absolutely. So it's how can I be that spark? How can I be the change? Um, so, you know, be the change that you want to see in the world. How can I, how can organizations be different because I showed up? 
Absolutely. So one more time, Alex, how can people reach out to you if they, if they want to contact you, want to find out more? Yep, absolutely. Instagram, Alex Caesar or Alex Caesar Jr. Uh, same thing with LinkedIn, Alex Caesar, S-E-Z-E-R. Um, I can't be everywhere at once. So I have all of this curriculum packaged uh, and you can, you know, find it online, buy it online, take the courses, learn. And then, you know, from there, bring me in to, you know, help your organization, Alex Caesar, S-E-Z-E-R.com. Looking forward to hearing from all of your audience. And man, I, Corey, I appreciate this so much. I uh, appreciate the work that you're doing the world. I appreciate you pushing this out for the kingdom because uh, that's what it takes. Each one of us doing our part. Uh, I heard something that said that God, without me, or without God, I can't. Without me, he won't. Mm, wow. So I just appreciate you taking the uh, the initiative to say yes to the call of God in your life. Because there are some things, some people that potentially won't, um, their lives won't be the same if you were to say no. Mm. So we just need a lot of people to say yes. Here I am, send me. Come on. I love that. Well, Alex, I appreciate you. And thank you guys for taking a listen. We, I know this has uh, added value to you. And if it has, make sure to share it with a friend or family. And, uh, you know, if something that, that stands out to you that Alex said, make sure to comment or, or reach out to him. And if you comment, we'll make sure to send that along to him. Make sure you like, subscribe, so you can stay up to date with any, any of the future episodes of Principles with Corey and Logan. Appreciate you guys. Hope you guys have an awesome day. And God bless.